Blog Talk Radio. Minions, welcome to the balance. My name is Tom Marquisale, President. Getting just a little bit of a later start today than normal, but uh, that's okay. Uh, it was all for good reason, that's for sure. My son's down in North Carolina, so I had to do some checkups on him. Uh, fortunately, he is safe, uh, dealing with a lot of wind, water, and, and rain. No power, but uh, certainly if you're listening to us in that area or that region, I uh, hope things uh, turn around for you smoothly. Uh, we're, I tell you, I've got a great show today. We're going to be talking NFL Week 2, baby. Uh, Matt Hicks is going to be sta- is standing by in the balance green room. going to jump on here in just a moment to talk with us about some Indianapolis Colts. That matchup in D.C. could be a wet one. And the last thing the Indianapolis Colts need to do is start 0-2 yet again. Uh, so we want to make sure that doesn't happen. So Matt Hicks is going to help us talk with us about that. And then coming up, at uh, 10 o'clock, beat writer uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, joins us. And then Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. And we'll be uh, still continuing to talk about NFL, college football, and the likes. 917-889-8516 is my digits. Uh, if you want to talk Colts, if you want to talk NFL sports, what have you, let us know. 917-889-8516. We'll be right back on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. It's Saturday morning. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. Joining us now is the great white chief, Matt Hicks. How are you, sir? I'm well. Good morning. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, at least the weather is better this week in than it was last weekend. Obviously, uh, especially for us that was down there trying to chase race cars all last weekend, it was a bit of a muddy disaster, uh, and now uh, it's certainly down in the uh, southern uh, part of the, the nation in the North Carolina area. As you may have heard in my opening dialogue, my son's down in Jacksonville. has been without power and running water. Fortunately, he has uh, was stocked up and ready to go. And But still, uh, those that are down there through it all, it's a rough, rough storm, uh, that's uh, for sure. Well, Matt, uh, here we go again. Indianapolis Colts start 0-1 to the Bengals. Not such a big deal until we see the Bengals go 2-0. and uh, It looks like Mixon's going to miss a couple weeks, so that might be some good news. But the Tigers are tearing up the AFC North, and now the Indianapolis Colts go to D.C. It's going to be a wet day out there. Uh, we'll get into the injury report here in just a moment, but Anthony Casanzo had another setback. Looks like this could be another close game for the Indianapolis Colts. And as we saw last week with Jack Doyle, who almost never fumbles, did fumble and cost them the game. So uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Washington Redskins and what's going to be a probably a very wet and soggy day tomorrow. Boy, and, and I, I, I agree 
I, I wish that would mean it would be a close game, but unfortunately that plays into every strength Washington has and every weakness the Colts have. I don't see this being a close game, unfortunately, and I see 0-2 a very real possibility here. Washington is a much better run team than the Colts are. They're also a much better pass rush team than the Colts are. You factor in on top of that, the Colts running game was mediocre at best inside last week. Outdoors in the rain, I don't expect it to be much better. You're going to need to run the ball in the rain. You also don't have... Uh, likely your left. Well, you don't have your left tackle, and it sounds like you're not going to have your starting right tackle. Though maybe he might be able to play. So I, I, this is just not good for the Colts, and I, it's not a good matchup. And Washington at home is 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 good anyway. And then you you play into their strengths by you know forcing them to maybe run the ball a bit more than what they might already with the rain. Uh, I, yeah, it's it, it's not a good matchup for the Colts at all. I don't think I I see zero and two, and then you start looking down the road, and it starts to not look good in a hurry all of a sudden with the rest of the schedule coming up. Well, absolutely. It's, it's going to uh, – a domino effect could uh, kick in very, very quickly. They do need a win. won't call it a must-win, but it would be a must-win in, in, as far as morale for the team and for the uh, fans go. Let's go back to last week. The Indianapolis Colts uh, ha- certainly – yet again, uh, history does tend to repeat itself with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, had the lead at the half, come back and squandered it away. Uh, and then you would have thought that J- uh, Jack Doyle could have – held on to the ball uh, that they would have won. Uh, Obviously, with 30, 40 seconds left on the clock, that would have certainly uh, given the greater opportunity for the Colts to win. Jack Doyle almost never fumbles. Uh, Certainly, uh, those things happen in the NFL, but unfortunately, those things tend to happen to the Indianapolis Colts. Year after year after year, uh, we see them have the lead in the half and squander it away in the second half. And we've seen that through various leadership changes. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I, that's interesting you bring that up. I think it's, it comes down to, in this case, players. I thought they were well coached uh, for the most part on Sunday. Yes, players made stupid mistakes. but uh, and, and sometimes you relate that back to coaching. I get that. But I thought the game plan was solid. They had a way to win the game. They found four different ways to lose the game. Let's, let's be honest. They had the game won uh, two or three times. And I, and I would agree with you. At the end of the game, I, I would have been shocked if they didn't score a touchdown if, if Doyle hadn't fumbled. You know, it, it, it's one of those deals that you put yourself in that situation. He's fighting for an extra yard, I think, is kind of what was going on there. And he, and he, gets, um, he gets the fumble. So he gathers with the pass interference call three yards shy of the first down. If he just let that tight end catch the ball and tackle him, it would have been a punt. He would have been up six still at that time. And I think momentum would have come back your way. That's always a weird thing. You don't know how that's going to work. But there just were several. The, the, the slew of penalties on that drive alone, that the Bengals, I think they gave up like 45 yards in penalties. Half the field in penalties. Two of them were uh, – that pass interference was clear as day. I mean, Gathers – you never want to put it on one person. The Gethers, in that instance, I thought lost in the game. And then Doyle, uh, with the fumble, definitely, you know, took the game out of the Colts' hands. So, you know, I don't know. It's a cultural thing, I guess. I don't get into that too much because I think every week's a new week. But, but they sure do find ways to lose, don't they? And, and, and obviously the quarterback play was much better than we saw last year. Luck was, was really good except on – 
two or three instances. He obviously threw the one interception, but there were a couple other balls that were forced that were thankfully dropped uh, by, by Cincinnati. So I, I don't know. I, I think um, Ballard's reluctance to, to delve into free agency is obviously going to hurt this season. And what's going to hurt it more is if draft picks don't pan out. Um, and that's obviously what he's banking on. He's banking on draft uh, and he didn't want to delve into free agency. I, I don't fault him for that. That's fine. But when you choose to go and build to the draft, you've got to nail your draft picks. It puts even more pressure, not on your first round pick so much, because those usually pan out in some shape or form. But your second and third and fourth round picks need to be, if not starters, contributors on some shape or level immediately. And we're not seeing that out of some of these guys, even from last year's second and third round picks. So that's, I think, is where there's concern. And, boy, I'm very curious to see if this thing goes rough to start. And it hopefully won't. But if it does, and this team starts 0-6 or 0-7, which is unfortunately at least a slight possibility, I'm really interested to see how things go here and if there's enough patience to get through the entire season without – you know, shaking something up one way or that. Obviously, you're not going to fire a first-year coach, but I mean, are you going to are you going to reshuffle the front off? I mean, front office is there is there something to be done there? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answers, but I just wonder. I, I I'm inclined to be patient as a Colts fan and observer, but I'm wondering if another really slow start won't uh, light the the fires of of Jim Irsay and he will not remain patient. That's that's what really, to me, I'm very curious to see. Uh, kind of a, a uh, report card, if you will. Uh, Quentin Nelson, obviously uh, coming in from Notre Dame, uh, not missing a beat. I think he's did a, a great job uh, in, in his role as a first-round draft pick. Uh, report card on Quentin Nelson, game one. Um, yeah, it's a solid B. I mean, you know, a couple holding calls that, that one, I know went his way. It seems like there were two. Maybe there was one. Um, that that I think they overcame one of them. I'm not sure they did the other. Sometimes that's a drive killer. So you got you can't have that. Uh, but for the most part, and I don't sit and watch the all the all 22, so I don't know. I used to do that. I kind of gave that up. Um, I don't know for sure. I didn't watch in the whole game, but his number didn't get called very much, which is good for a guard. <laughs> you don't want to hear it too often. Um, he had some he had some great blocks. Um, they they ran the ball inside with some success at times. Um, Jordan Wilkins and even Hines, when he cut up the middle, of the, um, there's one play in particular I'm thinking of, he cut back inside. And I don't know if it was designed that way or not, but there were holes inside. That interior line, I don't think you, after one game, want to declare it fixed, but it sure is looking good after one game. There was not much pressure up the middle. Luck was able to step up into a pocket, and, and he had time to throw the ball. Um, so I think if there's any deficiency, it's it's from the edges, the, the, two, the two tackle spots, and, you know, they're, they're both hurt right now. So there's not much you can say about that. So hopefully, hopefully those guys can get back here sooner than later and we can see this offensive line as it was intended to be played. Because um, I think it is quite a bit better and, and, and significantly better. So that's, that's something – uh, to be optimistic about as well as the offense in general. 
Well, absolutely. And we certainly got to control those turnovers going into uh, Washington, D.C., because that's a big thing. And I think, that, again, as we know, that's literally cost him the game. A report card on Frank Reich. Uh, I think that we all like him. I think he's won the, the fans over. He's won the press conferences. Uh, I think he's been very open and transparent about luck, about practice, about uh, things that he expects from the Indianapolis Colts. I, I, he looked very uh, strong and confident on the sidelines. Uh, I don't know that I would have enough data to question his play calling, uh, but certainly being an offensive coordinator, you could see that kind of bleed through uh, in game one against the Bengals. Well, yeah. I, I mean, obviously they didn't win the game, so if you're assigning a grade, you can't give them an A. But that being said, I think if there's – as Colts fans took optimism away from that game, I think it comes from the coaching staff. I mean – you have to be excited about that offense. At times, they ran a no huddle. Uh, they were up pace. They were up tempo. They were constantly gaining positive yards. Yeah, they left a couple touchdowns out there, I think. Obviously, in the first series, when you get the ball that deep, you want to get at least three points, and Luck turns the ball over. Again, I don't think that's on the coaching staff. That's on a bad decision from personnel, and that happens. It's, the, it's football. I mean, you know, the other team's on scholarship, too, of course. But, you know, I, I think that this coaching staff is really interesting. It, 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 it's familiar to, the, to Colts fans because it is very similar to a Tom Moore-ish type of offense. It's definitely not, you know, given Andrew Luck the complete keys to the car like Peyton Manning had. But it's, it's way more free than I think the restrictive Pagano era was. The defense is just more familiar to Colts fans, too. You know that they're going to give up a ton of yards. First off, because of lack of talent. But second off, that's the scheme a little bit, too. I mean, cover two gives up a ton of yards. The idea is to shore up um, past the 30 so you only give up a field goal. So I think we saw that for the most part. Yes, uh, a very talented wide receiver got by uh, defensive backfield. A.J. Green got, got passed a few times. But, but for the most part, th- th- this team Sunday – played well enough to win they just couldn't overcome what three or four really silly mistakes and uh, you know uh, those things are going to happen and certainly you've got a young team you got a new coaching staff uh you got a quarterback coming back uh, let's talk a little bit about Andrew Luck obviously in the preseason uh games uh, all we wanted to do was see Andrew Luck get hit and get back up again that's great. I, I think he's looked great. I think he's he's looked confident. I think that he's that he he's getting his rhythm back. Uh, now, as fans, we want to stop seeing our quarterback get hit so much. It's great to see him get up, but let's think about it like this: the more he gets hurt, I mean, the more he gets hit, the, the more the more likelihood he's going to get hurt. And that's one uh, key element that we cannot afford to lose this year. Uh, And there's a lot of uh, naysayers out there that says luck will not make it through the entire season. I am a firm believer. I'm a staunch believer in old number 12 that he'll find a way uh, to play all 16 games. But uh, there again, a lot of people might be right if he keeps getting hit. I don't think anybody wants to see their quarterback get hit many times as luck gets hit. They've got to fill that gap somehow, uh, well, you're right, and, and, and I don't know that it's in his nature to not take a hit or get hit. There was a play, it was a busted play. Jordan Wilkins got the ball. There was no hole up the up, – I, I, actually, I think it was the left guard. He pops out right, 
And Lux, it, 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 it's just one of those things you had to see it, and I happened to catch it. Lux's first inclination was to go throw a block on a linebacker. He took two steps forward to go throw a block, and then he was like, eh, that's probably not a good idea. So that right there tells me he's at least thinking about it, which is good. But at the same time, when the lane opens, he took off to run two or three times. I don't know how many rushing yards he had. Um, but the reality of it was he, he's just – He's just a running quarterback, and when you have a mobile running quarterback, you're going to take more hits than you would otherwise. He also still, frankly, holds on to the ball too long, and I don't know that, again, that's a, a, a nature he can overcome. It's, it's, a, it's a situation where you want to you lessen the hits. You want to encourage him to step up into that pocket and make the throw. He seemed to do that a bit more this week. I'm with you. I think he's going to play all 16. But, you know, listen, things happen. He may not. I hope he does. Um, But I think the Colts are in a situation where they feel better about the quarterback position in general. In other words, better about the whole room than they've probably felt in years. Um, So they they do have a viable backup. Obviously, you don't ever intend your backup to start 16 or 15 games. But if he has to play some minutes, I don't think that they're going to be um, too far off pace with Brissett. I mean, they will be. Obviously, Lux is a superior player. That's why he's starting. And he and he has if he has a season played out like he had last week, he'll be a Pro Bowler and he'll be, you know, a comeback Player of the Year and all that great stuff. But at the same time, I'm with you. He's got a lesson to hit. I just don't know if it's in his nature to do it. And you you're just going to have to be prepared that he might have to miss a game. Like Cam Newton misses about a game. What an average is misses a game a season. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things when you've got that kind of quarterback, you have to be prepared with a backup that can step in and play. Well, absolutely. Next man up, that's for sure. Well, the Indianapolis Colts, as we mentioned, uh, play tomorrow, 1 o'clock in D.C. Uh, there are plenty of things to watch for in this game, as we've talked about. The weather conditions could uh, dictate who wins this game, uh, you know, with the wind and the rain from Hurricane Florence uh, uh, bearing down on that area. Um, and, you know, a lot of things I'll have to watch in the game, as the game pans out, Matt. One of those things to watch, as we talked about earlier, is the offensive line. They will once again be playing without uh, left tackle Anthony uh, uh, Costanzo, which is a huge, huge gap to fill. And he once again is out with his hamstring. That means that Clark will have to deal with uh, Ryan K- Kigren on the outside. Yeah, Ryan Kerrigan's one of the best pass rushers. Kerrigan, sorry. In, yeah, that's right. Uh, Purdue guy. Um, uh, one of the best <laughs> pass rushers in football now. He um, is one of those one of those guys that, you know, Costanzo would have trouble with. So Joe Haig is going to have trouble with as well. You just have to stay on him, and, and you might have to put two guys on him. You're going to, you might have to put uh, run your two tight end set, which they didn't run a ton of last week. I'm curious. I think we're going to see a little more of the two tight set, whether that means they are, you know, the, the classic single back that the Colts kind of made famous um, years ago uh, with, with Edron James and then later Joe Adai. Uh, but I think you're going to run that more. You might split Ebron out into a slot situation and definitely able to do that. But I, I think just to have some help, you're probably going to run two tight ends more than you did last week. Um, but the Colts, boy, again, coaching, you have to give them some credit. They kept Cincinnati out of their base defense most of the day because they ran three wide receivers. So there is some, there's obviously some gamesmanship and strategy to that as well. But I, I just, I'm not sure you can leave 
Hey, you did a great job last week. I just don't know if you can leave him one on one with with Ryan Kerrigan. And the rest of their pass rush is decent as well too. So you you just you have a situation where um, that's a tough matchup, and their linebackers in general are pretty good. So it, it's going to be a tough 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 day, I think, gaining those two to five yard pickups. The 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 deep ball might be there. Yes, uh, Norman is an outstanding cover corner. But just like any great cover corner, you can beat them. It's just you you got to make sure you know when you beat them to take advantage of it. Um, so there, the deep ball might be there occasionally if the wind is not terrible, obviously. Um, but but those that intermediate game, I think, is going to be really tough sledding tomorrow. So, you know, the other key to the game tomorrow, obviously they've got to stop the run. Uh, you know, Adrian yeah. Peterson, uh, yeah, he still got it. Uh, had a great uh, debut last week. He showed that he's got plenty of gas in the tank or at least something left in the tank. Uh, and if the Colts let him uh, run wild, uh, they're in for a long and painful Sunday. Well, their they're def- they're running backfield is, is interesting because, yes, you know, they got Adrian Peterson who's – who's kind of like found the fountain of youth, or, or maybe he's just one of those guys that's kind of a you know, freak of nature a little bit and just doesn't have the, the miles on those tires that we all thought he did. But he, you know, when he went in for like 80 some odd yards last week, and, you know, th- the reality of it is I think they have to go well over 100 to beat the Colts tomorrow from a rushing standpoint. And I, I think they can do that. Uh, Washington can do that. But, but you're asking a guy that's, how old is he? Is he 30? What is he, 32? 32 or um, 33. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, but he's something in like his that. I, I don't have it off the top of my head. But, I mean, for a running back, that's, like, kind of pretty advanced. So, that's asking a lot. You know, already had a pretty heavy preseason for him because he was trying to earn a spot. And then he goes out and gets a pretty heavy dose in week one, and now he's got to turn around and do it again in week two. I could see that that – some slippage there and the Colts had moments last week where they were very good against the run. And then as the game wore on, they were not as good. So it is going to be an interesting matchup, especially when you factor in the veteran presence that Peterson is. Well, you know, you talked about miles on the tires. I mean, let's think about what we're t- what we've been thinking about with Adrian Peterson is the al- amount of time he's been in the league, but think about it. There was, uh, there was the time that he was, suspended for the child abuse allegations and there was there's some other things that kept him off the field so really in a lot of ways he probably has two to three years that sh- it shouldn't be calculated in the time that he's been in the league so that may have something to do with it as well and of course one of the uh, the other final things that we need to talk about the tomorrow they have to control that uh bo- both uh Teams uh, will turn it over multiple times, uh, but uh, I guess whoever wins the turnover game wins the game, would you say? Yeah, no, it it is sometimes that simple. And obviously the Bengals won the turnover game uh, last week, and and that's that's how it went. I do anticipate a similar – you know, sometimes correlation does not prove causation, right? That's like one of the two things I learned in college. Um, but it is, I was going to say it that's awesome time for a Saturday morning. Mike. I know for I know it. I know it. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't, but I think sometimes it does. And I think in this instance, 
it probably will. Considering what we're guessing the type of game tomorrow will be, whoever wins the turnover battle will probably win the game. Alex Smith is a very careful quarterback. I mean, you can say that he's maybe not as dynamic as some of the other quarterbacks in the league, but he is careful with the ball. And that is a strength that I think Washington will really enjoy with their running game and, and their passing game. I think that will, that will aid them in several games this year. So it'll be, I'll be interested to see if in the end of the day, if two things belong to the winner, the turnover margin and also time of possession. Because, again, we're anticipating this is going to be more of a ground game, more of an intermediate game. So if time of possession and turnover belong to the winner, that would not surprise me at all. All right, Matt, uh, here it comes. Uh, You need to make it official. What is your official prediction for tomorrow's game, the Redskins versus the Colts on the road? Yeah, I hate I hate to I'm a you know I'm a Colts fan and I you know I don't do as much radio work anymore so I don't feel too um, <laughs> too shy in saying that anymore. I'm the other Colts fan. I want to see this team win tomorrow. I just don't see it. Um, I, I think it's I think it's Washington 24, Indianapolis 13 is my hunch. Well, you know, I do like that 13 number. Uh, the Colts uh, have a tough task on Sunday. They play on the road in bad weather conditions. Uh, I think they probably will cover the five-and-a-half-point spread that I, the last that I checked the spread was. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to stop Peterson. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to go with that number 13, but I'm going to give it to the Washington Redskins, and I'm going to give uh, the Colts 17-13 to 13. Uh, yep. Win over the Redskins. Uh, just putting a fan note in there, if you will. No, and, and listen, I, I I could easily see this going the other direction. And what I hope as a Colts fan that that not only do they get the win, but it's a catalyst that that really maybe gets them rolling, and they can suddenly you know take take a take a shot at Philadelphia and Houston and, and New England, and maybe they can come out of this. This is a really tough stretch, but if they could come at it a game under or even at 500, like this, this thing could still happen. I mean, the division, let's, we haven't really talked about this. The division is not that good. I mean, Jacksonville, sure. They seem to be the class of it, but they didn't look like world beaters. I mean, they still have Blake Bortles as their quarterback. And I'm sorry, as long as that's the case, I don't think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So, so I, I don't know that you separate them that much from the pack. They're going to lose some games, I think. I don't think they're going to run like a crazy 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four record out there. Houston did not impress. Obviously, it was against New England. Tennessee looks like a mess. So, you know, I, I don't know that you can't say the Colts are, with a, with a win Sunday, you know, out of the division race by any obviously. Well, we'll certainly uh, have to see what happens uh, there. Real quickly, before we wrap it up and put it a, a bowl on it for you, we see Bale out again with contract negotiations in Pittsburgh. Rumors are flying with a lot of teams, but there's a lot of rumors speculated that uh, Ballard, Reich, and, and Ursay would like to have a conversation with the Steelers in Bale. If that's the case, one, do they have the money to pay? Will they pay? And third, there's going to be a trade involved with that. Uh, let's consider a, a deal with Levanian Bell from the Steelers to the Colts. I'm not overly opposed to it. He is 
if you're going to pay an older running back, he's the type of running back you want to pay. He's a big dude. He's a bruiser. He would seem to fit the mold of what this interior offensive line is, you know, with, with you know, Slauson or Smith, whoever they put in at right guard, and Kelly at center, and, and Nelson at left guard, and then you got Costanzo at left tackle. Then you, I think you're still kind of searching for a right tackle, but, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's, hey, I, I don't know at this point. But, but regardless, he seems to fit what you're doing. And, yeah, they've got – I mean, the Colts have cap space at the end. They could go sign Tom, Tom Brady tomorrow if, if he was available. I mean, they've got plenty of room. That's not an issue. It's will they. Will they? I don't know. I, they have not shown any, to me, any inclination to go after a veteran uh, to, to, to help this team uh, significantly. I'm, I'm talking about a significant veteran. So that will be kind of off the, off the playbook from what we've seen so far. And, of course, it comes down to what compensation is, too. I, you know, I don't know. If, if, if they're looking for a first-round pick for Le'Veon Bell, I think they're out of their minds. But if it's a conditional third or maybe a fourth, yeah. I, you know, I'd be inclined to, to, to look at it, but I just don't think that they've shown that they're interested in doing that at this point. They've had opportunity to bring in – I mean, they could have done the Khalil Mack trade, um, and they had the money to do that. That's, that's not an issue, but they don't, I don't think they wanted to give up the picks, which I get. Uh, but I just – they don't seem to show that inclination to, to make a big run at, a, at that high a profile person. I think that to them, they really weigh out the, the negatives as well as the positives. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would be surprised if they went after him. Matt Hicks has been joining us, helping us break down the Colts. Uh, uh, obviously, a, a look at the loss from the Bengals and uh, looking forward to a nasty game on the road in D.C. against the Redskins in some bad weather. Uh, Matt, we appreciate you joining us. I know you're kind of all over the place, and uh, but you're still uh, fine time to, to join us here on The Balance. And uh, your expert knowledge of the Indianapolis Colts is much appreciated. But where can people uh, find you, follow you, and uh, stalk you, if you will, sir? Well, I'm on Twitter, and I still occasionally make uh, uh, running commentary during a Colts game, at Hicksim05. And you never know. I'm around 1070 the fan in Indianapolis occasionally. Not as much as I used to be, but uh, you never know when the band will get back together and John <laughs> have a little well, team up. We're, we are, contrary to rumor, we are not feuding. We talk quite often still. No, I, I know you want. I know you're not. Jersey Johnny's a good guy. I hope you guys can get the band back together. I uh, certainly miss uh, uh, hearing you on a regular basis. But, again, glad you were able to jump on uh, and talk uh, some Indianapolis Colts with you. And uh, I hopefully uh, you're wrong about the Indianapolis Colts tomorrow, I hope, sir. <laughs> I, mean, I hope I am, too. I'd be, I'd be thrilled to be wrong about this team tomorrow. That'd be great. All right, Matt. You have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Hey, take it easy, Tom. Matt Hicks, uh, 1070 fan, but not really of Jersey and Johnny's show formerly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's kind of in between gigs, but uh, uh, certainly uh, keeps up on the Colts. And his, you can he's, you, you can really kind of find him anywhere within the Colts uh, uh, network, radio broadcast. Uh, they'll go to him for sound bites. He'll fill in. Uh, he'll land on his feet just fine, and I'm glad he squashed that rumor. I didn't want to. I didn't want to touch that, but I'm glad he he squashed that rumor that uh, him and Jersey Johnny kind of got in a feud. I think it's just business, and that happens sometimes in this world. My name is Tom Mark with Presidente. President Jay standing by. The Balance Green Room is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
will be joining us. He's official NFL contributor. We're going to go around the league and uh, look at week number two and week number three right here on the Balance Radio Network. We'll be right back. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Uh, thanks to Matt Hicks uh, for uh, joining us and helping us break down the Indianapolis Colts week one against the Bengals. 
and week two against uh, uh, the Redskins in D.C. Going to be kind of a nasty game on the road. We'll talk a little bit more about that game in a moment. Uh, but we do want to extend our thoughts and prayers to everyone affected in, the, in North Carolina, Hurricane Florence's path. Uh, we got a little bit late of a start today as I was uh, talking to my son, who happens to be in Jacksonville, North Carolina, has been waiting uh, through the storm and still without power and running water. Uh, he does have some generators, but been some heavy rains and strong winds, uh, some damage there. Uh, so, But fortunately, it uh, looks like he's on the safe side of things. But I know that uh, there's a lot of parts down there in Florence, North Carolina, that it's just been total destruction uh, down there. So our thoughts and prayers, and if you're listening uh, hopefully uh, you get a little pick-me-up uh, talking NFL. Uh, joining us now, though, is Ed Kratz, official um, NFL contributor to The Balance, a beat writer for the Eagle, uh, who you can now find his work on Sports Exchange. Uh can be found at www.bellmaven.is. And, Ed, if I mess that up, I do apologize. It's going to take some getting used to, but I'll get it done. Congratulations on the new gig, sir. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to for me, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do appreciate it. Thanks. Well, at least you're still right, uh, writing for the uh, for the Eagles here. Uh, so let's uh, t- start talking a little bit about the NFL. Obviously, uh, we, can, we can start with the Eagles, if you will. And it looks like uh, that uh, Nick Foles is uh, going to get the start again in week number two. I'm seeing uh, uh, Carson Wentz's uh, – fantasy football value drop. I don't know if that's a, a sign of anything, but uh, uh, talk with us a little bit about the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, you guys, uh, I am so sorry I lost your schedule. Right, You had it right here in front of my face. Okay, you have the Buccaneers tomorrow, uh, and certainly they're without their quarterback, J- Jamison Winston, as well. So both uh, teams playing with a backup quarterback situation. Nick Foles proved that he could win a Super Bowl, uh, so I think a lot of confidence that the Eagles do have in Nick Foles. But talk with us a little bit about what's going on in Eagles camp as you get ready for week number three against the Buccaneers. Yeah, well, you mentioned the two backup quarterbacks. Uh, you know, neither one skipped the beat last week. Although Nick Foles did not play particularly well against the Falcons in the uh, Thursday night game, <clears throat> but uh, the Eagles got the win anyway. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, Fitzpatrick looked like uh, you know Dan Marino or somebody out there throwing <laughs> throwing the ball all over that Saints defense. And um, you know, I, I guess if you're Jameis Winston, who's on that three game suspension, you're probably sitting there wondering if you're going to have a job. If, things continue this way with Fitzpatrick. Um, I don't know if they will. I know, uh, you know, there's a stat out there with Fitzpatrick that, uh, you know, he's been in the league now for, you know, forever. In fact, this is the sixth different time he'll play the Eagles, uh, and it's with the sixth different team. So uh, that just shows you how well-traveled this guy is. Um, but, you know, he's a very capable backup guy, but coming out of a victory, he's 2-10 and ten in his career uh, coming off a game that he won the week before. So that's kind of a – a, a stat in the Eagles' favor. Um, and on the Eagles' side with Nick Foles, uh, you know, this shapes up to be the kind of game where he might be able to kind of play a lot better than he did against the Falcons. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be without its two starting cornerbacks. Vernon Hargraves was put on IR, and um, Brent Grimes still has not been able to get healthy since the season began with a groin injury. So I think they're going to start two rookies at corner. Um, against the Eagles, who are still without their top receiver, Alshon Jeffrey. But uh, it's going to be a tall task for uh, rookie corners to cover guys like Nelson Aguilar and, you know, a veteran like Mike Wallace. Uh, This could be Nick Foles' final start. 
Um, word is that Carson Wentz uh, was cleared for contact on Friday. I haven't been able to really confirm that. Uh, but uh, if he was, that will give him this week to get ready to play your Indianapolis Colts next week in his first game back since that knee surgery last December. Well, you know, I hope so. I, I, I really do hope that they can uh, uh, get Carson Wentz back on the field, as we know very well here in Indianapolis what it's like to lose your starting quarterback. Uh, at, at the same time, and, and nothing against J- Jacoby Brissett, I, I would say that uh, Nick Foles is a far better backup quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. And, you know, again, there is rumors that, uh, you know, that Carson Wentz could lose his starting job. I mean, are, are there any any rumblings about that, or do you think that they're, they're solidly rooted in with Carson Wentz? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know where those rumors are coming from, but that's the, that's the furthest thing. <laughs> you know social media. They know, social media knows oh, everything. You oh, know that. Yeah. No, well, they don't know anything in this case because this job is Carson Wentz's, uh, you know, cut and dried. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When he's ready to come back, Nick Foles is back to the bench. Well, and Nick Foles is a great uh, backup uh, quarterback. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about, I know there were some transactions. You lost your wide, uh, one of your wide receivers. Uh, just talk with us a little bit about the injury report and things to look for as an Eagles fan, things you're working on for this game coming up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Darren Sproles, he won't play on Sunday. He's got a hamstring uh, injury that he suffered during practice in the week. And, uh, you know, some people might think, well, that's a big blow to their offense. But, you know, they didn't have Sproles for most of last year either. uh, And they went on to win a Super Bowl. Um, But in this game, you know, obviously Sproles impacts, uh, you know, Sproles' absence impacts the Eagles two ways in the run game. Uh, and then in the punt return game, you know, to me in that opener, he, he still looks dangerous. He still looks like the kind of guy when you punt to him, he could go the distance at any time. He's always getting positive yardage. He always somehow finds a, a crack to get upfield and uh, pick up some yards on a punt return. And one of these times that thing could break wide open uh, and he could return it for a touchdown. Uh, so I think his value will be missed more in the punt return game. So now you don't know who you're going to put back there. You might put Corey Clement back there to return punts, but he's going to be a guy they're going to lean on probably on Sunday in the run game. You might put a guy like a journeyman, like DeAndre Carter back there, who uh, is a great story. 25 year old kid wide receiver was cut uh, five times before uh, landing his job with the Eagles. He, he uh, lost his younger brother who passed away uh, to a disease years ago. And he promised them that he would make it in the NFL and, You know, here he is, 25 years old, being cut by five teams, finally got an opportunity. He was on the field for uh, over 50 snaps against the Falcons, only caught one pass. But, uh, you know, he's a speedy, quick guy who's the gunner on the punt teams, and, you know, he might get an opportunity to return punts. So uh, that's kind of the Eagles injury. They have another kid, Shelton Gibson, a receiver who returns kicks for them. Uh, He practiced on Friday, but he's listed as questionable with a knee injury. I suspect he will play. Uh, if not, you might see Nelson Aguilar, the receiver, returning kicks uh, on Sunday. So those are the two real main injuries other than, you know, Wentz, obviously, and Alshon Jeffrey, who uh, is catching passes. He's suited up in practice for the first time this week. He could be on track to return uh, maybe next week with Carson Wentz at quarterback against the Colts. You know, they might get a big boost if they get those two guys back. But uh, other than that, the Eagles are rarely are fairly healthy. Uh, heading into Sunday, which, you know, you can't say the same for a lot of teams in the league. You know, already after week one, uh, some of these injuries have taken their toll. You know, the Dolphins lost their, uh, you know, one of their offensive linemen, a key piece. And, 
you know, you see Joe Mixon now after week two, he's got to have a scope on his knee. A running back is a big part of that Bengals offense. So, you know, injuries are starting to take their toll already on teams across the league. And I mentioned Tampa Bay, you know, they're going to be without Grimes and Vernon Hargraves is out for the year. And, uh, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul for the Bucks, their defensive end, uh, he's questionable. And so is Deshaun Jackson, who had a concussion after week one. Uh, Pierre-Paul's injuries in knee. They're both listed as questionable, but they both did practice on Friday, so I expect that they'll play as well, just that they will be 100%. That's the question. Um, so, you know, already here we are week two, and guys are still starting to feel the bumps and the bruises and, uh, you know, the, you know everything that happens in week one. It's, a, it's why, you know, I just don't begrudge these guys anything for what they get paid because they really put their bodies on the line week in and week out. Well, absolutely, and it's going to be a hot one for you guys around the road as well down in Tampa. It's supposed to be around yeah, 90, that's true. Uh, 90, 95 degrees. Uh, uh, that always comes into play when you have the heat uh, and certainly not Great having point. the home field up yeah. yeah. Uh So uh, the, Tampa Bay, uh, talk with us a little bit about uh, the game preparation for Tampa Bay, their defense. Uh, I, I mean, I know you guys are, are known for your trick plays. Tampa Bay is not known for their trick plays. I think the last time they did a trick play they, and it didn't even work was when Lovey Smith was their quarterback uh, coach. I'm sorry, their coach in t- 2014. Uh, we know that the Eagles aren't afraid to do some trick plays. Uh, well, it helped you win a Super Bowl. Uh, so uh, thoughts on game plans, on, on how you might uh, catch uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers Near's off guard, and what are some of the the key points that that the Eagles have to do? And, and quite frankly, what do, does Tampa Bay look like as an opponent to the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, you know, you made a great point with the weather. You know, it is going to be hot, humid in the nineties. Um, the Eagles like to rotate their defensive line to keep them fresh. Now, that is the strength of this defense for the Eagles is the is their offensive line. And, um, you know, I know the game, when you game plan for a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's 30 plus, you know, 35, 36, however old he is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of mobility. Uh, so if you can win your one-on-one matchups as a defensive line, which the Eagles can do pretty easily. I mean, they made life pretty tough on Matt Ryan, uh, in that opener. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan was never really to look like the Matt Ryan that he usually looks against most teams because the Eagles just really rattled him. I mean, they sacked him four times, but there were so many pressures they had on him and forced him to throw the ball at odd angles. So, you know, the Saints weren't able to pressure uh, Fitzpatrick at all last week. That's why Fitzpatrick had such a big day. That Saints defense, to me, everybody likes the Saints to go to the Super Bowl, or I should say some people thought they could get to the Super Bowl. But, you know, unless that defense obviously improves, they're not going anywhere. Uh, whereas the Eagles, their defensive line is their strength, and I expect them to win some of those one-on-one matchups on the Tampa Bay offensive line uh, and, and make life difficult for Fitzpatrick. If he has time, he's got a great receiver core to throw to. I mentioned Deshaun Jackson. He's got Mike Evans, uh, who, who's one of the best in the league, and, uh, you know, Chris Godwin, uh, another receiver out of Penn State, second-year guy, has shown some flashes, and they got the big tight end from Alabama, O.J. Howard. Uh, who's starting to come on. So he's got weapons in the pass game. Um, and so if he has time, he's going to exploit that. Uh, of course, the Eagles did do well with their secondary against Atlanta. Julio Jones had a pretty big game, but the Falcons have a good receiving core in, in Jones and Muhammad Sanu and uh, Calvin Ridley, the rookie from Alabama. Uh, and they did nothing, you know, and that's because Ryan just couldn't find anybody other than Julio Jones in that game. But the Eagles secondary did well, so they're going to have to match up well against this this receiving core that the Bucks bring in. Uh, and then if the, if you're the Eagles offense, 
you know, I think you want to take advantage of those rookie cornerbacks and you want to give Nick Foles some early easy throws, get him into a rhythm. He's a rhythm-type quarterback, uh, and, and then run the ball. Uh, it's going to be hot, like you said, and I think the Eagles' offensive line is the best in the business. I really think it's the best offensive line in the league. Uh, tends to get better as the game goes on. We saw that against Atlanta. They started to run the ball more effectively in the second half. They made some adjustments at halftime. But I think, again, it was just a case of a, a more physical offensive line wearing down a smaller Atlanta defense. And, you know, I think that will be the kind of the recipe here is the Eagles will run the ball. Uh, they'll get better at it later, and that offensive line will take over the game. Talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles Sports Exchange. Uh, uh, we'll give out that website again here in just, uh, just a minute. Uh, Ed and Ed is our official NFL contributor. Uh, talking the NFL uh, week two, going I mean week one going into week two. Uh, real quickly, uh, uh, I really don't mind uh, touchdown celebrations. You probably you know where I'm going with this. But did Marcus Peters take it a little bit too far? The NFL apparently thought so as they find him 13-ger. <laughs> oh, man, I missed it. I didn't see that touchdown celebration. Um, oh, I'll, get, I'll yeah. get it out to you. It, it, it was, it was uh, probably obscene would probably be the uh, – let's just say uh, there was some uh, uh, acts of fornication okay. uh, looked like was going on uh, there. So. Well, that's not good. I mean, we <laughs> – can't do that. I mean, we saw last year Odell Beckham, right? Didn't he do the? Uh, didn't he crawl on all fours like a dog and lift his leg yeah, like he was yeah. going to the bathroom? And, and he got fined for that. So I mean, the NFL has loosened its rules on the celebration, and we saw the Eagles, you know, take full advantage of that last year. But their celebrations were clean, you know, pitching the ball, you know, making like a baseball team or bowling the ball, and uh, you know, doing the, you know, one of these dance steps. I think I don't know Macarena, maybe I don't know what the heck it was, but. Uh, you know, the Eagles took full advantage and the NFL loosened its rules, but you can't do that stuff. You can't do that uh, X-rated or, you know, offensive lifting your leg like a dog going to the bathroom type stuff. I mean, you're going to get hit with that. And that's just common sense. And look, Marcus Peters, uh, you know, he, <laughs> you know, he's had some issues before, right, with uh, run-ins and stuff. Uh, I think that was one of the knocks was his character issue coming out of college. So, uh, you know, uh, it's a shame he did it. But the NFL did the right thing finding him. You can't, you know. I didn't see it, but if it wasn't uh, uh, what you're saying, then you can't do that. I'll, I'll get I'll get it out to you. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and it, you can you can certainly Google it and find it on on Twitter yeah. as well. But uh, yeah, thirteen thousand dollars out of his out of his paycheck. Uh, what he did. Let's just. Uh, I'll I'll try to explain it in the most non-graphic way. He basically. Um, Grabbed his junk. Can we say it that way? And uh, yeah, so we'll leave it. Leave it at that. Let your imagination go. You okay. can Google it. So, <laughs> okay. His junk. His junk cost him to uh, pay dearly for that. Uh, I, I think it's. A yeah, I, I, I see it now. Uh, I'm sitting okay. in front of my laptop. I see it now. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, no, can't do it. Yeah, I gotta uh, gotta got go a different pretty, direction. Yeah, he's got some good elevation when he's when he's doing that. You know, he's about you know five feet off the ground, but uh, so yeah, you, you can't, can't do that. Can't do no, you know, cl- classic uh, yeah, infield celebration. I, I always remember two of them. I always remember uh, was was it Ezekiel Elliott that that jumped into the uh, uh, trash can. Uh, or whatever. Yeah. The, what was that? No, was the Salvation Army thingy. Uh, remember? Yeah, right, right. I remember yeah. that. 
And, yeah. and then there was the guy with New Orleans that picked up the cell phone. <laughs> Remember that? He had a cell phone down, and he scored it. So, yeah, yeah you, know, you never can tell. Well, let's cut all around the NFL here, and um, Mo's going to be joining us here in a few minutes as well. Uh, but I tell you what, we saw the, the Bengals. Well, we saw the Bengals win, and, you know, certainly Jack dropped the ball, uh, which caused the fumble recovery, which caused the touchdown, which caused the Bengals to win. Okay, that happens. But then we saw the Bengals win yet again uh, this week. So they're 2-0. and uh, Mixon's going to be missing two, two weeks. Uh, they're starting to uh, have a very loud roar, if you will, in the AFC North. What say you about the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, you know, you, you can't start any better than they have, 2-0. That's all you can do, and that's where they're sitting. But uh, I'm not really completely sold. I like their defense. I do like their defensive front. Missing Mixon will hurt. Um, you know, I know it's just a short-term injury. It's a, a knee clean out. I think you said two weeks, and that's probably about right. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, over those next two weeks when he is out. Um, you know, I'm not real – too familiar with their schedule but you know we'll see you know I think September in the NFL is just kind of you know finding out who you are as a team and um, you know try to stack as many wins together as you can during that time but I I don't think you can really know what a team is until you turn that page and head into October but uh, you know right now I like the way they look Um, I'm, I'm not a big believer in that division that they are in I don't think it's that good you know, I think we saw the Steelers kind of lay an egg in Cleveland. Cleveland could be good. They have a tough game in New Orleans this week, so we'll see, you know, how they respond to that tie. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has their hands full to try to stop that Chiefs offense on Sunday. Um, and we'll see if they can do that. I know normally the Chiefs don't play well, uh, you know, in the Heinz Field there along the Three Rivers in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, that's a dangerous offense they're going against. And Big Ben's not completely healthy. I think he has an elbow issue. They're without Le'Veon Bell again. Uh, So, you know, to me, that division, you know, the AFC North isn't very good. You know, could the Bengals be the best in that division? Yeah, I guess they could be. Uh, You know, what does the winner of that division look like? Nine, ten wins maybe. Uh, So, you know, the Bengals are tracking in that direction. But, again, we'll see, you know, know, once things start to really kind of head into the fall a little bit more. How good is Joe Mixon? I think a lot of people didn't like uh, his off uh, off the field characters, if you will. But I guess that could be spoken for a lot of people on the Bengals and the NFL, for that matter. Uh, but certainly on yeah. the field, Joe Mixon appears like he's going to be the real deal for the Bengals. Yeah, he does. You know, and I and I really wasn't sold on that come you know, when it was coming out of I think it was Oklahoma is where he played. I think so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't real convinced but to me sure he looks great he looks shifty but again you know you have to stay available and already here he is with a knee injury I think he had you know some a little bit of an injury issue as a rookie Um, so you know you really have to be able to stay healthy to be counted on and if he can stay healthy yeah he does absolutely look like the real deal to me and like you said there are a lot of players in the NFL with character issues and um, you know the Bengals took a chance on him and so far I think he stayed pretty clean in that area uh, and, and if he can stay healthy, yeah, he could be one of the better running backs in the NFL. I'll tell you what, last weekend, uh, watching uh, Sunday Night Football, I saw the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> coming back uh, for that magnificent win. Uh, then on Monday, we realized that uh, 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a, is a mere mortal, and it was not the second coming of Jesus Christ, but you certainly would have thought that it was. Did the Green Bay Packers make a mistake in letting Aaron Rodgers come back in? Even though it was a magnificent win, even though it's one for the history books, it was only game one. Did they make a big mistake in letting Aaron, I mean, letting Aaron Rodgers come back and finish that game uh, on Sunday night? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I was thinking that watching it, thinking, you know, I don't know why they're doing this. The guy was, you know, clearly dragging his leg and then, you know, afterward, if you saw his post-game interviews, and I saw it on, you know, later in the week, you know, Googling it, and, you know, it looked like he was as high as a kite on painkillers. Uh, you know, they probably fed him with painkillers and threw him out there. And I was wondering, like, what is the severity of that knee? Uh, you, you know, <clears throat> could he have risked further damage? I don't know. They're calling it a sprain. But, yeah, I think it was the wrong move. You know, it was a short-term gain. And now what? What's going to happen in the long term? How long is he going to be out? How serious is that knee? Did he do further damage by playing? You know, I'll look at this. uh, When the Falcons came to Philadelphia in the week opener, in the season opener, uh, Keanu Neal, their safety, tremendous safety. He looked like he hyperextended his left knee, and he went out of the game for about uh, about a quarter. And then they put him back in, and he ended up tearing the ACL in that left knee. Uh, just by simply making a cut on the field. And now he's out for the season. And, and I'm wondering, like, what, was the hyperextension earlier? Did that kind of stretch the ligament? Did that lead to him tearing the ACL? And, you know, here, now he's out for the year. So I'm not sure what the case is with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going on with that knee. But, yeah, I think that was a mistake. Um, you know, I think it was wrong to put him back in the game because, look, it's week one. Do you really want to win week one and risk losing Aaron Rodgers for the next, you know, two weeks or three, whatever it is. Um, So I think it was a mistake, but listen, you know, when when Aaron Rodgers is in your ear saying, I can play, I can play, just give me a a shot of painkillers or give me, you know, 15 pills that I can take that'll let, you know, deaden the pain and I won't feel it put me out there. It's, it's tough. You know, it's tough to, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta make a decision and the Packers made that decision and now they're going to have to live with it. Well, and unfortunately, it could be at a very, very extreme cost. I could see if it was a playoff game. I could see if it was the Super Bowl. Right. If it was game one, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why that happened. But we saw a lot of uh, right. uh, scratch-your-head moments in uh, week one, if you will. Uh, certainly plenty of surprises uh, from huge performances like uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Bucks on went on the road uh, to li- light up the Saints. Uh, to light up the Saints, <laughs> uh, yeah. who were who were uh, uh, certainly a trendy uh, preseason Super Bowl pick. Sam Darnold and the Jets smashed uh, Detroit in the mouth. I mean, literally smashed them in the mouth. Pat Patricia, Matt P- Patricia, was just a guy with a pencil in his ear. Come on, nobody uses a pencil anymore. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, what's going on well, here? I think the Lions well, thought well, their hey. second coming of Jesus Christ was at Matt Patricia. Was it the beard? Did it throw them off? What happened? I mean, seriously. Well, you know what? Listen, at least it was a pencil so we can erase all those mistakes that he had on his play card, right? If it was in I pen, suppose. then he's kind of doomed. But at least, yeah, at least he has an eraser where he can uh, erase some of those plays that he called. But, yeah, that, that was disastrous. And, you know, I, I wonder what Rick, uh, Rick Riggin has to say about that. But, uh you know, his his Lions really got their heads handed to him. They looked completely <laughs> unprepared. Um, but you know what? Look, Patricia had company. All those n- new coaches, seven new coaches in the league this year, they all went 0-7, which was, you know, it's an embarrassment 
for those organizations, <laughs> but it's only one game. But Matt Patricia had, to me, his team the most unprepared of those seven coaches, and that's a concern. That's going to be a big concern in Detroit. Well, absolutely, and I was talking to Matt and Rick. Uh, Rick's got the week off. He's actually doing some work in his real job today. Uh, but uh, so we would have loved to – to, to talk some smack with him, but we, we will get that makeup game uh, for sure. Uh, obviously, we talked already about the Colts and the and, and the and the Bengals, uh, but uh, the most uh, well uh, shocking may not be the right word. I think you and I texted about it. I've got some good friends, uh, uh, Kyle and Adam. One is a Browns fan, and one is a huge Steelers fan, and both of the loudest in the room. And it just became crickets. I had to start a group text between the two of them. Tried to stir the pot a little bit. The Cleveland Browns uh, <laughs> dropped their losing streak with a tie to the Pittsburgh Steelers. WTF, Mr. Ed. See what I did yeah, there? You hey, like that? Did, 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 your friends go, did, your, did your friends go to the parade they had through the streets of Cleveland to celebrate that? I, I mean, uh, did the rain no. finally stop? And that game, that game was played in just a horrible conditions, but yeah. uh, fittingly it ended in a tie. I mean, both teams had a shot to win it with a field goal in overtime and uh, you know, the Steelers at least got their kick off. The kicker just, you know, shanked it to the right, I think. And then the, you know, the Browns, I don't know what the heck that was. That never had a chance. They're, they're, you know, I guess it was a jailbreak uh, rush by the Steelers and they blocked that kick, but it's a fitting end to a, you know, a game that was exciting at times. And the Browns did some really nice things, things you can be encouraged about. Um, but there's still a lot of concerns in Cleveland. And, you know, like I said, they have to go on the road in New Orleans, who I'm sure they're not too happy, but by putting up 40 points on the board and losing that game anyway against Tampa Bay. So they're going to be pretty fired up to win that game. They, it's their second home game in a row. You only have eight of them. And if you, if you can't win your second one, you're going to be in trouble in New Orleans. So, I don't like this matchup at all for Cleveland. I think uh, I think the Saints are going to come out and and uh, put a hurting on them. Well, joining us now is not the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ, but it is Mo from the BS uh, Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? Uh good. Well, you just you missed the whole reference. We were talking about how uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ was Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, uh, the Lions thought that Jesus Christ was was in Matt Matt Pat, Patricia, but it turns out he was just a guy with a beard with a pencil in his ear. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Uh, week uh, one going into week two. Obviously, we saw a lot of big surprises. Mo, we've got Ed here uh, with us, uh, certainly beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, official uh, contributor, uh, NFL contributor to the Balance, and his new gig as well uh, with uh, Sports Exchange. But uh, what are your thoughts, week one, uh, sir? I didn't watch any football. I was watching rugby. No, uh, you know it was. You're uh, fired. <laughs> it, it, it was. A, it, it was an interesting. It was an interesting week. Uh, you know, covering the uh, the Browns. It was a uh, a weird finish to watch people walk out of that stadium and uh, be somewhat happy yet uh, yet confused. But you know, it's the uh, first time in what you know, like 14 years or something, that they didn't lose on opening day. So. Uh, you know, I thought the Browns did some good things. If I'm a Steelers fan, I'm probably a little worried. Uh, it looks like there's some dissension there in the ranks. Uh, but, uh, I mean, overall, uh, you know, a lot of things fell in the place that we thought. And some of the teams that we thought uh, maybe were going to be better uh, aren't better. You know, the Saints losing to uh, Tampa, I think, was a shock. 
Uh, you know, I think, like Ed said, that the uh, the Browns could be in for a real picketing when they travel to New Orleans uh, tomorrow. Uh, okay, guys, so let's go ahead and get into uh, week number three. Let's go, uh, talk about some of these games. Uh, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta's obviously looking to uh, want to have a bounce back uh, from uh, a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, Ed. Uh, what are your thoughts on Carolina at Atlanta uh, as the Falcons were stifled by the Eagles? That's my word of the day, yeah, stifled. You know, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, Carolina, I know they beat the Cowboys 16-8 to last week, but... I don't know how good the Cowboys are. Uh, you know, Carolina did not really impress me. Although I will say I, I really like Christian McCaffrey in this game. I thought uh, he looked a lot better, I thought, this year than he did as a rookie last year. Just, you know, running the ball, he looks more powerful. Um, you know, I think he could have, a, you know, even a better season than he did as a rookie. I, I was impressed with him. Um, their offensive line, though, Carolina is just completely banged up. And I know Atlanta's missing some key parts, too. They had kind of a – uh, rough go of it in Philadelphia. They lost their safety, Keanu Neal, but I love that backup, DeMonte Kazee. I really thought he looked great uh, when he came in against the Eagles. Uh, but they're going to be without Dante Freeman. Uh, so that takes away, uh, you know, one of their – obviously one of their backfield weapons, that thunder and lightning backfield with him and Tevin Coleman. Um, but I still think Atlanta will find a way to win this game. Uh, it's a home. It's their home opener. Uh, they've had 10 days to prepare for it. It's a divisional game, and I like Atlanta to win this game. Mo, let's, uh, let's, uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, uh, the, the Panthers uh, got a win against Dallas, uh, and uh, so the Panthers are, are ready to, to go 2-0 uh, this, this week. Uh, what are your thoughts, the Panthers and the Falcons? Well, I think the loss of Greg Olson is going to hurt the Panthers, the Panthers offense a ton. If I'm Atlanta, you know, I, we've got to figure out how to score in the red zone, you know. I don't know if it's a combination of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not sure where the problem lies, but the uh, the Atlanta Falcons in the red zone uh, have been terrible carrying over from last year. So uh, if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, I want to see uh, you know the Falcons do more than drive the ball 80 yards and not be able to get in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I you know I agree with that. I think that Atlanta wins this game because I I think that uh, again the, the the Panthers losing Greg Olson is a a big hurt. And let's talk a little bit about the uh, Chargers and the Buffalo Bills, if you will. Uh, certainly uh, uh, a lot to talk about in this game as, as well. Uh, and uh, the, the, I still want to call them San Diego, but uh, we'll just call them uh, the, the Chargers. Uh, got beat uh, with big plays against the Chiefs, uh, something that figures uh, to be the norm uh, with Kansas City. And I like where Kansas City's going. I like their quarterback. Kansas City, someone to keep your eyes on. And, and the Bills have had the worst roster in history, I think, and, and, and they are just miserable. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Chargers and the Buffalo Bills? Well, it's always tough to come across country and find a win, and that's, that's what the Chargers are doing. They're coming into Buffalo. But, boy, you know, the Bills looked so bad last week. It's just hard to, you know, it's hard to like anything that they did. But they still have McCoy, Shady McCoy on that team as a run game. And here we are with the start of the Josh Allen era. I mean, it was probably a mistake starting Nathan Peterman last week. He really hasn't shown a whole lot. I don't know what Sean McDermott was thinking other than, you know, let's give my rookie quarterback another week. And if Peterman can play well, maybe we can keep Allen on the bench for as long as possible. But, you know, you saw what Sam Darnold did with the Jets. And now, uh, you know, you're hoping that maybe Josh Allen can kind of jumpstart the Bills offense. I'm not sure he can. 
the Chargers, meanwhile, like you said, they don't want to get too far behind the Chiefs in that AFC West. So I, I think the Chargers will find a way to get this win uh, on the road. Mo, what about uh, the Chargers and the Buffalo Bills? Well, I, I think you wonder at times just what the hell the front office in Buffalo is doing along with Sean McDermott, their coach. Uh, you know, this looks like a team to where they are seriously lacking a quarterback, obviously. This would be a game that I would assume that had they not traded him, that A.J. McCarron would probably be starting. Uh, you know, the movement of Tyrod Taylor, just the way they wanted to move him out last year and then moving him in the offseason, uh, just it, it, bio, it baffles my mind. You know, and normally when teams travel across the country like this, the point spread is very small, but the Chargers are giving seven and a half points. Normally I would never bet on a team going across country, but I actually put my money today or today uh, I put it down for the Chargers tomorrow, giving seven and a half points on the road, cross country at Buffalo. Buffalo's terrible. I think the Chargers win the game. Uh, we'll stick with uh, you, Mo, here on this one. We talked a little bit, uh, Ed and I talked a little bit about uh, what maybe have been the biggest mistake the Green Bay Packers could have made, even though it was a fantastic win. It was for the record books. I mean, there, there was a lot of positives on Sunday Night Football that everybody talked if you wanted to make the highlight reels on Sunday night, you did it. Uh, but now they've got the Minnesota Vikings with the backup quarterback. Uh, did the Green Bay Packers make a mistake in letting uh, Aaron Rodgers play? And, and then what are your thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay? I mean, if what was said was true by the doctors, that he couldn't do any more damage to it than he already did, uh, you know, it, it's hard to uh, fight a star player like that when they want to go back in the game at times. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out and did what he does. He just he does amazing things, uh, you know, to win football games. Uh, I think the biggest thing you saw from the Bears was they just they tired out in that second half, especially a guy like Coyle Mack who hadn't been on the football field uh, tired out. But, you know, the, the Packers came back and won the football game. Uh, I, I think that regardless of how Aaron Rodgers feels, uh, you sit him out the football game, you look at the big picture instead of just the here and now against the Minnesota Vikings. I know he wants to play, but if I'm the uh, – on the Packers, I'm sitting there in Rodgers this week to give him another week of rest. Uh, you know, the uh, the Vikings just they came out and did what we expected them to do. We expected Kirk Cousins getting paid all that money to uh, to lead the Vikings to a win, and they did. And, and they're probably the team to beat uh, in this division. I, I like the Vikings tomorrow. Ed, what are your thoughts on Minnesota at Green Bay? Well, yeah, it's hard to like Green Bay with anybody playing quarterback other than Aaron Rodgers. You know, I know the Packers get a lot of acclaim and uh, love that could be the team to go to the Super Bowl. But to me, they're still Aaron Rodgers. And without Aaron Rodgers, they're really not much. And even with Aaron Rodgers, I still question uh, whether they have the personnel uh, that can get it done, uh, defensively especially. Um, so, you know, like Mo said, the Vikings did what they had to do last week. Kirk Cousins uh, came in, threw some points up. Dalvin Cook got on the field again. Good to see him back uh, after his uh, ACL injury last year. And that Vikings defense is very good. Everson Griffin is a handful to block. Uh, and I just don't think the Packers are going to be able to hang with the Vikings in this one. I think the Vikings will win pretty easily. And let's go down to the AFC South, obviously a division that I watched very, very closely. A very trendy preseason sleeper pick to reach the, the Super Bowl. Uh, Houston started its season with a thud against New England. Uh, there's no shame in losing to the Patriots, as we uh, very well know that happens quite a lot, especially if the footballs are not inflated properly. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially in their building, but uh, it, it couldn't have been at in a, uh, it, but it could have been more, 
I, I guess where I'm going at with, with is Deshaun Watson. He just didn't seem like he was there. Houston at Tennessee. What are your thoughts? The Tennessee Titans are not the Patriots, uh, but uh, what are your thoughts? Houston at Tennessee. Uh, yeah, well, Tennessee kind of had that delayed game against the Dolphins last week in Miami, you know, with the weather delay, and, uh, you know, they ended up losing that game. And, I, you know, I kind of like the Titans coming into this year, but I'm starting to wonder why I like them so much, uh, especially now with Marcus Mariota. You don't know if he's going to play uh, in this game. And, um, you know, to me, Deshaun Watson kind of had, a, you know, kind of an up-and-down return after his ACL injury last year. Uh, I expect him to play better. You know, he was going against New England and the mystique that New England has. And, um, you know, they played him to with a, within a touchdown. So they, they played pretty decent on the road. And, now, you know, here they are again on the road in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I just think that they will find a way to get this done. I'm not sure Tennessee uh, has as many pieces as I thought they might have. And then if you throw in Mariota's availability, uh, you know, you don't know how that elbow is going to respond, if he's going to play, if he plays, how effective it'll be. And, I just think Houston will find a way. Deshaun Watson will play better, and that Houston defense is, is very good. And um, I just think Houston will win this game. Well, certainly we'll see what happens. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts? Uh, Houston, uh, Tennessee, obviously, uh, uh, I think Tennessee has got to be one of those handful of teams that going into week three have got to be very, very worried about their team this year. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, like Ed said, I think it comes down to uh, to defense in this football game because if you if you don't have Marcus Mariota, you're going to rely a lot on the running game, I believe, if you're Tennessee. And, you know, and Deshaun Watson, he's a young kid coming back from a pretty uh, major injury. You know, it's not like we're seeing uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers come back from this injury and have had all this experience, I, I think. You know, you saw saw some tentativeness from uh, from Deshaun Watson. I think, uh, like Ed said, he plays better this week. I think Houston wins the football game, and uh, you know, I, I like the defense uh, a little bit more of the Texans than I do the Titans, which makes me pick the uh, Texans this week. Ed, uh, you know, we we always like to poke fun at the Browns. We talked a little bit earlier about the Browns and the Steelers ending their uh, the Browns uh, ending their uh, uh, losing streak with a tie. Uh, I guess only the Cleveland Browns could do that. Uh, certainly, they rallied in regulation. The Pittsburgh Steelers played like crap. They were very sloppy. It was in the weather. A lot of factors played to that tie. Good job for the Browns on breaking their losing streak. But now they're at New Orleans. It gets real from here. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and like I said earlier, I think the Saints are going to be smarting after that uh, that egg they laid against the Bucks in front of their home fans. And they gave up 48 points at defense. Uh, they scored 40 points, and they still lost. So I, you know, I just think it's a tough spot for Cleveland. I do like the way Cleveland. They, you know, I like you know Josh Gordon being back. He looked, uh, you know, he made a nice touchdown catch against the Steelers, and I love Miles Garrett and. Denzel Ward played well, I thought, at corner. So, you know, the, the Browns are building. Uh, they're going to win some games this year. I just don't think in New Orleans it's going to be one of them. Mo, what are your thoughts? The Cleveland Browns at New Orleans. Uh, the Saints go marching in this week. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I did like about the uh, Browns last week was being down, uh, you know, by 14 points to a team like Pittsburgh and fighting back. Uh, you know, to uh, to win that football or to tie that football game, and you know, I do like the defense of the uh, of the Browns, and you know, that's it's going to be a big test, I think, for the uh, for the offensive line of the Saints uh, to keep guys like Miles Garrett uh, out of the backfield. 
uh, you know, overall the defense is pretty darn good. You know, and I think we expected uh, New Orleans' defense to be better uh, after after last year, and we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick put up 48 points or whatever it was on the uh, on the Saints. I think the Saints win the football game, but maybe not as embarrassing as uh, we might have thought a couple of weeks ago. And let's talk a little bit about Miami uh, flying north to the Jets. The Jets are at home after that big win against uh, Detroit. Uh, Momentum built. But do they have what it takes to beat the Miami Dolphins? I think so. What are your thoughts? Well, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know how the Jets respond to winning such a you know in such big fashion. You know you know in New York City everybody's going to be patting them on the back and you know Sam Darnold's going to be the toast of the town and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that rookie responds to all the uh, you know all these back slaps and congratulations and everywhere he goes now in New York he like I said he's the toast of the town and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep his feet on the ground and keep it out of the clouds. I like the Jets in this game, but I think the Dolphins uh, to me uh, you know they. They can do some things that can keep the Jets off balance, and there was a lot made that the Jets kind of had some of the hand signals that uh, Matt Stafford was using in that game, and if that's true, we'll see how he does against this, uh, you know, against the Dolphins' offense. This, this is a tough game to call. I, you know, to me, it's a pick game. I don't know what the line is. Mo can tell us that, but, uh, you know, the Jets being at home, coming off that big win, we'll see how Todd Bowles can keep them kind of focused and not kind of uh, riding on their laurels from game one. I just think Miami will find a way to win this game and, uh, you know, bring, bring the Jets down to earth a little bit. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I just think Miami's going to find a way to win. Mo, what are your thoughts? Big win against uh, the Lions. Uh, obviously, as Mo said, I mean, as, as Ed said, I always get confused. I don't know why you don't look anything alike. You don't sound alike. You don't it sounded like I always uh, mix the two of you up. Mo, as like Ed said, uh, Sam Darnold is uh, enjoying the life of, of Riley, if you will, in New, New York City. Uh, everybody loves the Jets when they're winning. And when you're in New York City, you have to win. So what happens with Miami coming to the Jets? Well, I mean, if, if Sam Darnold does win this game, just like uh, you talked about earlier when I came on, the people of New York will talk about Sam Darnold being the second coming of Christ because the Jets fans have been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, you know, like Ed said, can, can Darnold, uh, you know, keep his feet on the ground and not let this get to his head too much? We saw him be resilient last week when he threw a pick six on the first play and came back and, and uh, you know, uh, put away the Detroit Lions. You know, Miami was, is a weird team to look at because of that game last week. That's hard for any team when you've got so many, you know, a couple-hour delays. It's hard to really see what the Dolphins have. I, I think the Dolphins getting rid of Jarvis Landry is a, a huge uh, deficit for them because you get rid of a guy who has a lot of swagger, a big play guy. I, I think the Jets can win this one at home. Vegas sees it as a pick as well. So the Jets are given three points. So you usually get the three-point bump when you're at home. Uh, I, I'm, I, if I was betting this game, which I'm not, because I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other about it, I would probably take the Jets and give the three, but I think it's a close game. And like Ed said, it's a, it's a pick em game. We'll stay with you, Mo. Uh, we already talked and broke down the game against the Eagles and the Buccaneers, uh, but uh, certainly what are your thoughts? Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in. Jamison Winston might be losing his job. We may have found a new quarterback stud uh, down there in uh, Tampa Bay. The Bucks have a very solid quarterback now. Uh, what are your thoughts against the Eagles uh, tomorrow? Well, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has become a team killer over the years because he'll come out and have an amazing season in a, in a role where he's filling in or as a backup 
or as a bridge quarterback, and then uh, teams like, well, God, maybe we should keep him another year, and then things fall apart. I, I think Tampa Bay has given up on Jameis Winston. I think they've been looking for reason to get rid of him, honestly. Uh, but, you know, does Fitzpatrick have the same type of game again two games in a row? It's, it's hard to say because everything with him is so up and down. Uh, you know, coming in to play the Eagles, I, I wouldn't want to be in that position if I'm uh, if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. I like the defense of the Eagles. Uh, you know, I think that uh, now that the uh, the first home game after the Super Bowl is over, all the festivities are over, uh, I look for the Philadelphia Eagles to get back to business. Uh, I, I think they win the football game, and I think we see a little bit of a letdown uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Bucks this week. And uh, real quickly again on uh, the Buccaneers and the Eagles, I mean, clearly uh, the uh, the Dollar Shave Club has someone they need to endorse there uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe it all is in the beard. Maybe it's the magic of the beard, as, as they say with the, the movie Santa Claus. Uh, but what are your thoughts uh, as far as wins, losses, and any other thoughts that you'd like to add uh, to this game tomorrow? Yeah, Nick Foles is 2-0 and against the Bucs. Both wins came in Tampa. Um, you know, he plays well. I like the matchup that he has against this, uh, you know, secondary uh, of the Bucks without its two starters. And, um, you know, it's a weird spot for the Eagles. They haven't played a 1 o'clock football game probably since last uh, December. You know, they had the run in the playoffs where they played all those oddball times. And then the preseason, all those kickoffs are in the evening. And they opened up on a Thursday night. So, you know, they haven't played a 1 o'clock football. That's going to change their pregame preparation a little bit. I don't think it's a big deal. I think the Eagles will find a way to win this. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe a little closer, but I think the Eagles will find a way to score, uh, you know, kind of an insurance touchdown late, and they probably win something along the lines of like 31 to 17. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the big game tomorrow, especially if you're a Colts fan. They're on the road. We talked a little bit about this a lot in the first half hour with Matt Hicks. They're on the road. It's going to be nasty weather as uh, as uh, Hurricane Florence uh, makes its way through D.C. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a close game. Uh, we, we are without Costanzo. Uh, uh, sorry, I can't speak today. Uh, and you got to look at a guy who still has some uh, gas in the tank, and that's Adrian Peterson. Uh, the Colts have to stop the run. They have to control uh, the, the turnovers. I think the battle of the turnovers won that game last week. The Colts can't afford to start yet again at 0-2. It doesn't look good, but I tell you what, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Colts do win 17-13, to but it is going to be a difficult Long game uh, uh, with the Colts. What are your thoughts, Ed, the Redskins and the Colts? <laughs> Uh, you, so you're picking the Colts to win, you said, 17-13? Um, I am, just that's, because that's a brave, I'm a Colts fan, I have to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a brave pick. Well, you know, I'd like to see, and the Colts may have to do this, but I'd like to see them run the ball a little bit more. I think they only had 22 runs last week. I know, you know, I know they kind of fell behind late. Um, but, you know, they were holding a 13-point lead in that game against the Bengals, and then their defense didn't kind of step up to, to keep that lead. They gave up, I think, the two-game winning – or two – uh, two touchdown drives after they went up by 23 to 10. But, I, you know, Nick, uh, Andrew Luck throwing the ball 53 times in a game is not the recipe for success. You only jeopardize your quarterback. Uh, maybe the weather conditions will force them to run the ball a little bit more. But that's how they're going to have to win this game is they're going to have to run the football. Uh, it'd be nice if they had Le'Veon Bell. I know you talked about that with Matt Hicks. Uh, they, yeah. need, they need that type of running back. They don't really have that type of person. And, and that's probably what Frank Reich sees, and that's why maybe he isn't running the ball. He's putting the ball in the hands of his best player, Andrew Luck, but at what cost, potentially. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, they have to stop Adrian Peterson. I was really surprised 
what Peterson had left, how effective he was. And, you know, we could be witnessing a rebirth of Adrian Peterson in Washington. And if so, the Redskins are going to be in this race in the NFC East to the very end. Well, absolutely. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we, we look at uh, miles on the tires, if you will. Uh, and maybe we, we get that number from the years that he's been in the league compared to how old he is. But th- keep in mind, there was a, at least two or three years that he didn't play. You know, there was uh, a lot of reasons why he didn't play. But either which way, he still may have a couple, three years left in his tank. And if you're right, Ed, you're right. Uh, the, the Redskins will uh, uh, have a, a certainly solid run, running back. And Mo, what are your thoughts? The Colts? And the Redskins, the Colts on the road. Well, you know, being a Colts fan, I'm able to separate uh, that from uh, my journalistic view, I think. Uh, you know, I agree with that. This game being sloppy, I think it's going to come down to the running game. It surprises me that the Colts didn't go out in the offseason, get themselves uh, a better running back. Uh, you know, with the sloppy mess, I think it comes down to the running game. And I think that Washington does have the better running game uh, in this football game. Uh, Andrew Luck throwing the ball that many times is definitely not going to be a recipe for success when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to this uh, nasty weather. You know, I, I don't like the defense of the Colts. I've said that a few times. I, I think uh, the defense is terrible. I don't think Andrew Luck has enough weapons to outscore teams enough. I think this is going to be a loss for the Colts in Washington. Mo, we'll stay with you just because uh, we got to talk about Marcus Peters and his junk just yet again. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts about his obscene uh, celebration? The NFL finding him uh, $13,000. And, of course, they go uh, uh, they are at home against the Arizona Cardinals, which also are struggling. So two thoughts, uh, Marcus Peters, uh, uh, touchdown celebration, and uh, the game against the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Well, I mean, Marcus Hannes Peters got himself in uh, in trouble uh, this week, but I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, a guy's got to got to think more when it comes to touchdown celebrations. I'm glad the NFL has let them back to do more things, but you know, let's let's uh, let, let's get it together. I mean, the Cardinals they looked uh, terrible last week as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how long that uh, they go with Sam Bradford uh, until maybe it's Josh Rosen time. Uh, I think the, the Cardinals. Uh, uh, don't show up again this week, and I think it's going to wind up being uh, an easy win, and, and maybe we see another uh, uh, crazy touchdown celebration from Marcus Peters. <laughs> well, hopefully it won't be one that cost him $13,000. Ed, what are your thoughts the Cardinals at the, uh, at the Rams? Yeah, I like what you did there, Mo, Marcus and his Peters. That uh, was uh, <laughs> a nice little roast. They're clever. Yeah, I don't like Arizona in any way, shape, or form in this game. I think the Rams are going to blow them out. Rams are my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. And, uh, you know, they went into Oakland, and John Gruden's much-anticipated debut and uh, won that game. They're at home. Not, there's a whole lot of home and field advantage in the, that, that, that cavern, they, that, that barn that they play in. But uh, I just don't think the Cardinals are any good. If Josh Rosen era has to start soon, I would think. But I think the Rams can name their score in this one. We got just a couple more games to get through, uh, real quickly uh, <clears throat> before we wrap it up and put a bow on it. Uh, but Ed, uh, Detroit Lions at San Francisco. Matt Patricia has got, yeah. And what about Jimmy G? You know, the big. You know, he was undefeated. A lot of love heading Jimmy G's way, and uh, you know, he came up pretty small with the three picks. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, <laughs> it's a tough game. I mean, Matt Patricia really doesn't look like he has any clue what he's doing based on what I saw on the field. Uh, completely unprepared. 
Uh, I just don't think the Lions are very good. I think the 49ers will win this game. Uh, Jimmy G gets back on track, but it'll be interesting to see how he responds to a loss, the first one of his career. Well, what are your thoughts, Jimmy G and the Milfs? I mean, the 49ers uh, uh, take on the Detroit Lions. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, like I said, it was interesting to see Jimmy Garoppolo come back to earth last week, uh, having the first loss of his career. But, you know, I, I still think he did some good things. Like Ed said, the, the Lions just looked totally unprepared. Nothing looked good. And you look at a guy like Matt Patricia who came in as a head coach. Uh, you know, their former head coach, Jim Caldwell, went 9-7 and seven and 9-7 and seven in the last two years, and that wasn't good enough to keep his job. So, you know, sometimes coaches get a little bit of leeway in the NFL, but it will be interesting to see how long the Ford family decides to uh, go with Matt Patricia if this season is terrible. And 9-7 and seven can't keep your job. I think the Lions are going to be lucky to go 7-9 and nine this year. Uh, you know, I like the 49ers in this game. Mo, we'll stay with you. As we know, uh, for oftentimes, we, we uh, blew the trumpet of John Gruden here on the show. John Gruden gets an unbelievable uh, contract uh, to come back to the NFL and coach. Uh, first of all, it looked well for the Raiders uh, so much in the first half. Their, Derek Carr must have literally got in the car and left the stadium. Uh, John Gruden, I don't know, uh, a lot of people scratching their heads if you're a Raiders fan, and they go against the Broncos. Uh, at Denver, at Mile High, uh, they got to have their act together if they're going to have a, a win against the Broncos, Mo. Well, I mean, one thing you saw last week is, uh, you know, you're missing a guy like Khalil Mack, who was a guy who flies all over the field, uh, you know, and not getting to the quarterback, making it, uh, Jared Goff look comfortable. I think it made things real easy for uh, for the Rams. But, you know, I, I, John Gruden's overall plan to me, obviously, is, you know, to get younger. The old, Raiders have the oldest team in the NFL. And it looks to me like John Gruden is planning uh, for the team that's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders. I think we're going to see two bad years from the Raiders. Uh, they acquire a ton of draft picks and, and look to have an exciting young team uh, going into Vegas. Uh, you know, for me, I think right now the biggest thing for the Raiders is going to be John Gruden's trying to decide if Derek Carr is his quarterback of the future or not. And I think that's what this is all about this season. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think the Broncos are, are uh, by any means a wonderful offensive team, but I do like the defense, and I think the uh, the Broncos win this game pretty handily. I, I don't think the Raiders are a competitive team at all this year. Ed, uh, do you think that the Raiders are stacking the deck? You see what I did there? Uh, I agree with you, Mo. I do. I think that, that, they're, that they're playing uh, playing for Vegas. But at the same time, John Gruden gets a big contract. Uh, you know, if I'm a Raiders fan, I, I'm going to want immediate results. Maybe that's, maybe that's unrealistic. But as fans, I think that we want unrealistic expectations if we're going to pay that kind of sick money to somebody. Uh, they come into Denver um, – you know, uh, maybe they they are complacent, but uh, certainly uh, Denver's going to be right to the Oakland Raiders' head. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people forget Oakland is moving to Las Vegas. I mean, that that is a good point. But uh, you know, you're, you're right. I, I just don't know how you can keep uh, your locker room uh, sort of questioning what you're doing. John Gruden wants to go and trade your best player in that, inside that locker room, and he's not only their best player or was their best player, Max, but he was also a good guy, very well liked in that locker room. Uh, and, and I don't know how you go into the locker room and say we just traded Khalil Mack and expect that team to kind of follow and play along. I know they're playing for their jobs and stuff, but, you know, that's kind of an emotional kick right there when you lose your best player in a trade. Um, but you're right. I think Gruden's kind of tearing this thing down. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, he exists with Derek Carr uh, before they head into Vegas. So uh, I think Denver will find a way. I'm not sold Case Keenum's the guy, although he did take the Vikings to the NFC Championship game last year. 
Uh, and Denver's defense is very good. You know, they're trying to follow that same Viking script from last year and seeing how far it can take them. Ride the defense, let Keenum kind of manage that offense and see where it leads. I think it'll lead to a win uh, at home against the Raiders. So uh, another AFC South game, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or at least one of the teams, I should say, AFC South against the New England Patriots. I, I like the, uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, anytime I can say that the New England Patriots are going to lose uh, on the road, I'm, I'm all for it. I think the, the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely can beat uh, the New England Patriots on the road, I mean, at home. What are your thoughts, uh, Ed? Yeah, game of the week. Game of the weekend, in my opinion. Um uh, rematch of the AFC championship game that the Jaguars probably should have won. That left a bad taste in their mouth. I think they're going to find a way to beat the Patriots. I, I do like the way that defense plays. That defense is so good. Uh, and and it, it can do, you know, it can cause problems for Brady. I think they'll intercept them a couple times and they're going to find a way to win this game. Uh, and I, I think they could win by uh, double digits, to be honest. Mo, what are your thoughts? The Patriots on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, that Jacksonville is going for, them, like I said, is their defense. But one of the easiest ways to beat good teams is to keep their quarterback and their offense on the field, which I think Jacksonville can do with their running game. I think the uh, the health of Leonard Fournette is going to depend uh, a lot this year when it comes down to uh, the Jacksonville success. Uh, you know, running the football uh, is a great way to win football games and, and control the clock. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot more T.J. Yeldon. Uh, here in the coming weeks, and I, I think when you've got a back like Fournette, which, when you want him to do the type of things he does, I don't think he can be handing the ball 30 times a game or 40 times a game. So I, I think maybe we see Fournette's uh, workload cut back a little bit uh, for the early part of the season, see a lot more T.J. Yeldon. But I like Jacksonville like Ed does in this game. I think uh, Jacksonville wins the football game. So I, I have not purposely said skipped over the last Sunday game, but I do want to go to your Bears on Monday night uh, at Seattle at Chicago. What are your thoughts? i tell you what, the Bears are showing some good signs. Again, though, is Seattle, anytime you play Seattle. But the good thing for the Chicago Bears, the Seattle Seahawks are flying across the country uh, to play the Chicago Bears. Mo, what are your thoughts? Your Bears against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I think what the Bears have to do, obviously, is play two complete halves of football, which is an obvious uh, statement from last week. But I think the one thing, you know, Russell Wilson likes to make plays with his legs and keep plays going. And I think with the addition of Khalil Mack, that uh, that will help uh, maybe keep uh, Russell in check a little bit more. Uh, You know, you're going to be looking at, uh, you know, it just always seems like Russell has a, a depleted offense when it comes to wide receivers or offensive linemen. Uh, I think this Bears defense is good. I like the running game uh, that we saw last week in the first half from the Bears. Uh, I think the Bears won the football game. I, I think uh, we have maybe started to see the the, uh, the downside of the uh, the, the Seattle uh, Seahawks, what, what once was, is now no longer. I think we start to see the demise of them this year. Ed, what are your thoughts? The Seattle Seahawks come into Chicago. Again, a lot of promising signs for the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears have a, a puncher's chance of beating the Seattle Seahawks on the road. I mean, at home, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, the Bears have to show – right, and Soldier Field. Yeah, I think the Bears just have to show some resiliency from last week. Uh, that was a tough loss for them to absorb after being up by, what, what 20 to nothing or, uh, you know, being up by a lot anyway. and. Uh, they have to be shocked that they lost that game. This is up to Matt Nagy to kind of pull this team together and just see how resilient they are. I think they will uh, because they did have positive signs. And to me, Mo's right. Seattle is kind of on the way down. 
Uh, they just look kind of like a team that reminds me of the Eagles when Buddy Ryan coached them. When Randall Cunningham was the quarterback, it was a good defense, and they told Randall to go out and make you know three plays and we'll win the game because our defense will get us there. But this Seahawks defense isn't what it was. Uh, they still are strong at linebacker, but you know their their secondary isn't as good. Um, and, and I just think the Bears they're kind of an up and coming team, and you know they're a young team and. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Eagles and Doug Peterson's first year when the Eagles went seven and nine, but they lost a lot of close games. But, you know, they learned from that. Uh, and this will be a good learning game for the Bears uh, going forward. Show some resiliency, find a way to get that first W for Nagy, and then uh, going on from there. I think the Bears will win. So, so guys, I purposely uh, skipped over this game because I want it to be our final game that we talk about because I want to put some thoughts into this uh, this conversation, if you will. Um, this past week, we remembered 17 years since 9-11. I think all three of us can remember exactly what was going on with us that day. One of the things that I would say uh, the NFL did uh, during that time was to have a football game. That was one of the most spectacular events, and that was the New York Giants. The Dallas Cowboys have always said they're America's team. The Dallas Cowboys have took a firm stand against kneeling for the anthem. I understand where this comes from and where it goes, but I just want to put some reflection on how united we were as Americans 17 years ago and how disunited we are as Americans 17 years from uh, in 2018 with the NFL uh, protest and anthem protest being uh, just a, a, a another lingering thing that shows division upon the Americans. As we look at this game this week between the, the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, two teams uh, individually have made significant impacts to what I think Americans are. Uh, 9-11, uh, the New York Giants said, we're going to have a football game. They had a football game. And the Dallas Cowboys have always claimed to be America's team. They stand for the national anthem. Wherever you sit on the side of, of standing for the national anthem or not standing for the national anthem, the national anthem is the anthem of our country. It's the anthem of the United States of America. The word united has somehow left the meaning of who we are as Americans. Ed and Mo, as we reflect on this game and then reflect on 9-11, what are your thoughts about that? And we'll start with you, Ed. Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms uh, for this game, but you're right. We are, as, you know, we're the divided states of America, it feels like at this point. And that happened over a very short period of time, 17 years, uh, you know, and the big picture isn't a very long time to go from where we were to where we are now, but um, you're right. They played a football game, and I think that was the you know we wanted to show uh, the world uh, that uh, you know we wanted to show them that they can't impact the way we live our lives. We wanted to return to normal as quickly as we possibly could, and I think that was the intention back then was to let's get back to normal. Let's show them that we are still uh, the United States. They they can't touch the way we live, the freedoms that we enjoy, and I think that was part of it. Um, I, I don't know if they have anything planned uh, Sunday night to kind of look back. I know it, you know, it's not on September 11th, but really we should never forget that game. And, and you're right, Tom, that was a, a pretty important moment uh, in, in returning to normal was the playing of that football game. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, you know, it is a spotlight game. It's a Sunday night game. It would be nice if they recognize, uh, you know, what happened 17 years ago and, 
I, I don't know what the plans are. Maybe they will. But other than that, we have a game between two zero and one teams that, uh, you know, the the uh, history shows that if you start a season zero and two, your chances to make the playoffs go down, you know, are, are very high. You won't make the playoffs if you're zero and two. So one of these teams will be staring at zero and two, and having to buck the odds to try to get their season turned around to make the playoffs. And uh, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see which team that will be. It's going to be, I think, a very close game, but fitting of an NFC East game. And uh, you know, I think that the I think the Cowboys will probably find a way to win this game. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I think the Giants will find a way to win this game. I think New York is probably the better team, uh, you know, top to bottom, uh, roster wise. But uh, hopefully, they'll have some kind of tribute for the 9/11, uh, what, what happened back on 9/11. I certainly hope so. Mo, uh, uh, we'll get the final uh, word from you. Uh, What are your thoughts on this game, 9-11, as we remember that, 9-11 this week? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's not the only time that the NFL played a huge part uh, in American history like that. Uh, If we look back to when uh, we originally went to war in the Gulf back in the early 90s, the uh, Super Bowl and Whitney Houston's iconic singing of the uh, national anthem then that uh, was kind of, uh, you know, the first really big gathering after that. So, it's not the only time that the NFL's played a part uh, in it. Uh, sports has played a huge part uh, in a lot of things uh, from Americans dealing with tragedy. It's sad that it, <clears throat> politics have had to be weaved into it. As far as the game goes, uh, you know, the Giants have had luck going into Dallas uh, over the years recently. And, you know, and you look at the Dallas team after their 11-game winning streak a couple of years ago have gone, uh, you know, 11-11 and 11 since then. So, uh, I if I'm the Giants, if I'm, I actually bet this game, the Giants uh, are getting points going into Dallas, which seems like a no-brainer to me. I think, like I said, top to bottom, the Giants are a better football team. Uh, I don't think Dak has the weapons uh, that he had in the passing game. He doesn't have Jason Witten anymore. He doesn't have Des Bryant. Uh, there's been uh, some injury to the, uh, to the offensive line. Uh, I don't think the defense of Dallas is as good. I think the Giants win this football game. I think they do it pretty handily. Uh, and if you're putting your money down, take the Giants and the points against this team. It seems like a no-brainer. So, uh, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. We thank uh, Ed and Mo for joining us. Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces? I know your, uh, your gambling gig, your radio gigs, and your uh, uh, journalistic coverage of the NFL. You're all over the place. But where can people find you, stalk you, and get that money that they owe? That they owe from you. Well, <laughs> today, today in South Bend at uh, at Notre Dame, uh, tomorrow in Chicago, uh, and uh, always on Twitter at Mo Radio Show or on ninety three one The Fan in in uh, Ohio. All right, buddy, we appreciate and you have yourself a, a good weekend and uh, go Irish, by the way, go Irish. All right, thanks guys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mo. Ed, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia. Official NFL contributor. Let's see if I can get this right. Your new gig is with uh, Sports Exchange. Uh, the work can be found at www.footballmaven.io/eagles. Did I say that right, sir? Yeah, yeah, you did. I invite everybody to bookmark that page and you know check it out with Eagles. I also put some other stuff up there. Uh, I operate it through the Sports Exchange, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it's an easy website to navigate and. Uh, I invite you to bookmark it and check it out. I also have a Twitter. I tweet out a lot of my links. It's uh, at K-R-A-C-Z-E if you want to follow me on Twitter. Well, we definitely do do that, and uh, uh, we wish you the best of luck, and I hope the Eagles uh, certainly uh, are able to pull out a win in Tampa Bay, as well as I hope that the uh, that the uh, Colts can pull out a win in D.C. Uh, you have yourself a good weekend, sir. 
and stay safe. Thank you, sir. You too, All right, Tom. buddy. I'll see you. Uh, Bye. Ed Kratz uh, joining us. Uh, thanks to Matt Hicks for helping us break down the Indianapolis Colts uh, Redskin game. It's been NFL Week 2 pre uh, recap and Week 3 preview. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Remember to follow us on social media at T-Balance um, and uh, all of our Twitterers, if you will. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Remember, don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. We'll see you next week. Actually, we'll see you Wednesday night here on the Balance Radio Network for Breaking Rank College Football Fix of the Week. Remember, keep it real, as they say. Don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.